0: National Talkie League Rumble, Young Man Rumble. It's the National Talkie League and uh, you're, you're in for a treat tonight because we're going to be skating on fresh ice. The political uh, arena has been Zambonied for us and or Zambonered, Dave. You know, I, I will think I'll figure out what the uh, active verb <laughs> of Zamboni is while you uh, hit us in the face with a theme song.
1: Lashing the talking League, It's all the parties Nashing the talking League For all me hardies, Lashing the talkkie League. I don't have a third right. I like
0: what you did there. It was very uh, it kind got of abstract for a moment. I <laughs> took
1: I took a hard left and I went with uh, parties, and then I was like, oh, I could rhyme it with me Hardies, That's pretty clever. And then I was like, I got nothing. You know, so it'll come, it'll come to me momentarily, but I had nothing. You know, man, sometimes you strike out, you know, that's
0: all. Hank Aaron yeah, hit yeah, 755 no, home no. runs, but uh, he had a few K's in the, in the mix as well.
1: Fair enough. I could have done farties, I guess. That seems, that seems a little lowbrow.
0: Yeah. This is a hot, this is a, this is a, uh, this podcast is a highbrow motherfucker, Dave, and you can't <laughs> take it into the shitter like that. It's OK, though. I like what you do. You know, you show up every week and you swing for the fences and uh, they can't all be ringtones, my friend. But uh, I, I dig that we're here.
1: I have said this time and time again. I would much rather go see a movie that swings for the fences and and falls flat on its face than just plays it safe and, and doesn't entertain or, or do anything above and beyond.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to think that in the in the movie con uh, context of that, like a movie that swings for the fences, it might not make sense at the end of it all. Like you might leave the theater going, that was just, that was not a good story. But damn, (laughs) there were a couple scenes in there that really made made the time worthwhile. (laughs) I think so. What's an example? Can you give me an example of something that fits that?
1: Um, The last one I can think of that I sort of defended on those grounds was probably Suicide Squad. That DC movie with the bad guys. It was not a great movie by any stretch. But I applauded the fact that they like, you know, took a risk by doing something like that.
0: I liked, uh, uh, was it Eric who put in the, uh, in the Facebook group that the, the skyscraper movie starring the rock was like the, the review was like a vertigo inducing and I can't remember the rest of it, but it was like, this is like the anti Dave Ware movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, I, I assume what he meant was like, Oh, Dave will never go see this because of the vertigo aspect of it. I got to look that and up. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. He's probably right. Uh, So the the two things that I I noted were that, number one, I think like uh, like Die Hard in any film with that kind of a name, you have to then refer to the main character as the name of the film. So the character in the movie has to be called Skyscraper from now on. Right. right? So it's like when you say, remember that part where Die Hard went running across the floor and there was all the glass on the floor. And then Die Hard was all like, ah, cut up all his feet, you know. (laughs) That's, that's funny to me.
0: Does that that can't possibly apply to James Bond movies though?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> it'd be fun. Remember when Octopussy? Went... <laughs> uh, and then yeah, the other thing was so so. It's interesting uh, not to go off on a long and boring discussion of vertigo, but uh, many people uh, erroneously believe that vertigo is like something to do with a fear of heights. And it's, it's really got nothing to do with that, uh, it, although it does sort of have something to do with it. So so Alfred Hitchcock fucked everybody <laughs> up by naming the movie Vertigo. Um, and Vertigo is really the perception of motion where no motion is present. And I know this because I suffer from this, and so I've you know, read up a, a, quite a bit on it, right? So you feel like you're moving when you're not moving.
0: Is Is Vertigo a bit of a misnomer then?
1: Uh, it depends on how you're defining it. Well, what's
0: the root of it? Is it Latin or Greek or something?
1: Oh, the like the word itself. Yeah. Yeah, It's about spinning technically. Right.
0: I'm trying. So give me another, like, give me a hint. How would I, how could I connect that to like spinning? What's another spinning thing that's got a verb? See now I'd
1: have to go and look it up. I'm not sure what the. The root here is I could do that. What an exciting podcast we've gotten off! To. <laughs>
0: All right, I'll give credit to Jordan Wall for sharing the post in the Beleaguered Talkies Facebook group. <laughs> Said uh, the post says seems like the perfect film to make Dave wear vomit, and the headline was Skyscraper delivers vertigo-inducing action but little else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and we didn't really expect too much of it uh, from it. Uh, sorry, vertere is the is the root, and it means to turn. So it's basically about spinning okay. and we ha- also have vertical, which might be where the, yeah,
0: but that, right? yeah, exactly. Cause that, the, that's the first thing you think of and it's got nothing to do with yeah. spinning. It's just got everything yeah. to do with up and down.
1: So having said that some people can have vertigo like that is caused by looking downward mm-hmm. from a, from a height, but those people might also get the same thing if they looked downward from not a height. Right. If you get what oh, I mean, I, my, yeah, my I dig what
0: you're saying. You just kind of tilt your head down, and all of a sudden, your everything goes wonky between the ears.
1: So here's my here's my 30 seconds, so as not to prolong this. My 30 <laughs> second uh, explanation of how your balance system works. Okay, uh-huh. there's three parts of your body that tell your brain where you are in space, right? Like in physical space, not yeah. in in cosmic space. So they are your feet. Right, which tell your body, this is where we are. We're planted on the ground. They are uh, in your ears. There's these little tiny canals Mm -hmm. that have fluid in them. And when that fluid is balanced, that tells your brain where the balance is. And your eyes are the third one. So so vertigo is basically when some of that information uh, disagrees with other information that your brain is receiving. So often people get what's called uh, BPPV, BPPV, which is... Oh God, I can't even remember. Aren't they trying to
0: give girls in like elementary school a shot for that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So BPPV is basically where uh, you get these little, these little grains inside those canals. They get stuck. Right. And so you're, your head is wrong. Your, your head is sending different information than your eyes and your feet. And there's this little maneuver called the Epley maneuver, which everybody and their brother goes, you should try mm, this. Right. And I'm like, nope, that's not what I have. Um, so what I have in my case is uh, I had basically tonsillitis, but inside my ear. Okay. It's called vestibulitis because the little thing is called the vestib- vestibule, right. right? Like the hallway inside your ear. Uh, so I had uh, like a little flare up in there and basically it blew out some of my hearing. And it blew out the balance center. So I get like garbage information coming in from one side. The other side is just fine. So if I'm healthy and everything's good and I've got enough sleep and I'm not having too much caffeine, the other side can do all the heavy lifting and my brain's just learned to ignore the stupid side. Sometimes not enough sleep, getting sick, got a head cold, lots of stuff in my sinuses. The other side can't keep up. And then I have what they call a failure to compensate. Right and the world starts spinning. And it's exactly the same thing. And many of you I'm sure have had a little too much to drink one night and you lay down on the bed and the whole room is spinning. It's like that, except I don't have to do any drinking. <laughs> um, and it's got exactly the same effects. You start feeling horrible. You want to lay down. Then you start thinking, Oh, I'm, maybe I'm going to throw up. So you get up to go to the bathroom, which makes it worse. So if you, as soon as you get up to decide, you're going to go to the bathroom, you're definitely throwing up because that walk down right. the hallway will pretty much do that it for right. you. So, right.
0: You know, I have a couple takeaways from this. Uh, You have a failure to compensate, much like volunteer organizations do. And the second thing (laughs) is that I think you should be allowed to park by the door at the grocery store and whatnot.
1: So here's the crazy thing, which is I I get what you're saying. Here's the crazy thing: there's absolutely no no expectation for me to tell anybody about this when I get my driver's license renewed. Oh, that's yeah, that's whack, right? Like I could literally, I mean, it's never happened to me while I'm driving, but I could literally start spinning out, right? Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's not so severe that I would immediately turn into traffic or anything, but I can't really tell which direction is which, right? Right. Like you basically what happens is it's like, it's like everything starts moving in one direction and it's usually away from the damaged side just for anyone that cares. So for me, (laughs) it goes from right to left. The whole, the room starts moving in that direction. And when I blink, it resets itself. So it just keeps doing that. Right. Right, Okay. I'm, I'm waving with my hand. None of you can see this except Roger, but I'm moving my hand across and bringing it back. Um, so I could technically, if I just blinked a lot, I could pull over safely. But yeah, I don't have to tell anybody. Like I'm, you know, I'm a danger to everyone if that happens while I'm
0: driving. You were doing this hand gesture and you were like repeating it. And it's basically what Hitler would have seen in those parades.
1: <laughs> but mine's lower. lower. His was, yeah, <laughs> that's true. No, but he
0: was up above him. He was sitting on the back of the, of the uh, uh, convertible, right? Fuck, they got Kennedy in a convertible, but not Hitler. Every time I see Hitler in a, in one of those, uh, you know, World War Two, black and white, you know, the, the history channel, Hitler porn channel, or whatever they want to call it. I'm always thinking like, where was Oswald? Hey, like, why couldn't he
1: have gotten a little bit of training in 20 years earlier? There's no like book depositories in Berlin at the time? Come on. And yet we never see, we never saw pictures of Hitler in like a VW bug. Or Westphalia, right? Yeah. Because right. the they, those guys started the Volkswagen company, right? Yeah. How have they survived that one, by the way? We're going to get – by the way, hang
0: on a second. H- hard pause for a moment. We are going to talk about Derek Fildebrandt's new party, the Fildebrandt Conservative Party. Dave and I, apparently, we just decided we'd have a little coffee talk. We could press pause. We could stop and delete all this bullshit. But we're not going to do that. This is the National Docu
1: League. This is kind of your, – you're here for the pregame skate. It's the, it's the vertigo and Volkswagen (laughs) section of the show. We'll, we'll eventually wrap back around to the D's.
0: (laughs) How do how have they survived that? Like if you can draw like a tacit connection between Hitler and anything, there's like, there's almost like this, there's a Snopes campaign to debunk it. Right. But like, uh, you know, what was Hitler basically like in the design room with the Volkswagen? We know he was an artist. Was he like designing the punch buggy?
1: Well if you if you're looking for a segue back into modern politics what I would say is that somehow the Volkswagen company even though it was you know heavily involved or Hitler was involved with it during that period of time has managed to survive because people understood that there were a lot of people making these vehicles and that they were decent vehicles whereas today if you watch anything that has Kevin Spacey in it you're a fucking monster
0: right. That's so true. And it's like, it, it's so funny, the, the, the different, the double standards that exist, like apparently Henry Ford was a big Hitler fan, like had uh, a picture of him in his office and like, you know, wrote letter, like they wrote letters back and forth. Like Hitler, I think saw him as a great industrialist and, and a great uh, uh, like empowerment of the people kind of guy. And, and like I don't like, it's sort of weird, but Ford has managed to just, you know, paper over that fascinating yeah, yeah it's
1: it's because there wasn't as much sort of uh, microscope being put on by the left leaning side of society which is what's happening these days but
0: you know it also wasn't like an all or nothing thing right like i think that and i might be totally wrong about this i'm i'm willing to put myself out there just on this hypothesis but it's essentially that uh you could basically go uh, in like 1930 you could say, you know, he's kind of a, he's an interesting nation builder. He's an interesting guy to watch. And somebody could pipe up and go, yeah, you know, what about the anti-Semitism? And then you'd be be—you'd be in the clear if you just said, I don't care much for his anti-Semitism. I wish he'd put that to rest. But the highways, like the very thing that Marge shot of the Cincinnati Reds got rolled over for, I think that back in the 30s, like Henry Ford was getting away with.
1: Yeah, that is very true. It's weird. Yeah. And then i <laughs> just trying to liken it to today. It'd be like, and then you found out that Donald Trump was actually rounding people up and killing them.
0: Right. Or just You'd be like, Yeah, hey, I away. wasn't
1: on board with that. I didn't know we was doing that. Right. There's a
0: remarkable um, silence in the United States about like some of this shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's incredible.
1: Uh, so moving on from the V's, okay. we're into the W's <laughs> now. So uh, this uh, past Sunday, uh, was the uh, the World Cup final.
0: Oh, for fuck's sakes. Are we going to do this? We're going to keep bu- bullshitting about
1: everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> at some
0: point, we've got to do a podcast, Dave, about D- Derek Vildebrandt's new party. And we're already 10 <laughs> minutes into this one.
1: I hear you, Roger. But I think it's important because there was a, a National Talkie League summit that happened. Entirely true. During that game. And we forgot to record it. But we could have because it was basically like an hour and a half long episode of talking <laughs> Because we... Barely stopped talking.
0: It's true. I enjoyed that, by the way. Thanks for having me over to watch France uh, defeat Croatia. And what I think was a gimme, wasn't it? Don't you think most it was, most yeah, people predicted yeah. that?
1: Yeah. And you shouldn't be thanking me. I should be thanking you. Roger, ladies and gentlemen, Roger Kincaid, not only uh, on short notice said, Hey, like I could come over and watch. I'm on my way back from, uh, from out of town. You want to watch this game together? Not only that, but he brought a dozen donuts with him. Mm-hmm. Like, what? That's stellar. That is above and beyond.
0: Well, you're welcome. It was fun. Cheaper than a six-pack of beer. And you have to bring something to the game, don't you? It's like a Canadian foul if you don't.
1: Fair enough. And, and yeah, and thank you. On behalf of my children, thank you for not <laughs> bringing a six-pack of beer because that could have gotten awkward. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Roger and I and uh, and my two boys watched the game. And you're right. It was a bit of a gimme. It was pretty much France, you know, uh, you know tip to tail other than uh, at one point Croatia tied it up and it looked like we might have a game, but there was never really much, much concern. Yeah.
0: What really graded me though, is the the one guy from Croatia, like the ball went in his own goal off his head, which yep. seems rather incidental, if not accidental, but then they credit him with like having scored on himself. They don't give it to the last French guy who touched the ball like they would in hockey. And I think that that's kind of mean spirited. <laughs>
1: Your shame is there with a little OG after. Yeah, it. don't you? It doesn't. It doesn't mean original gangster. <laughs> it means own goal. Don't you think that's kind of like mean, like uh, uh, un- unnecessarily punitive? Yeah, I don't. know. I mean, maybe it's just to explain to people if someone's just reading the box scores, right? What happened during the game? How the goals came to be? And it might have something to do with the, the stats, right? If you're keeping track of the stats, because often an own goal it might not be super obvious. But like you said, it would go to the last person who touched it, but you know, who knows, right? It right? could ricochet off five guys and it what not happen in that case is he was trying to head the ball away from his own net. And of course it went in, it happens. It happens.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Let, let's just, let, let's not even try to come up with a clever segue. Let's just dip right in the, uh, the Derek Fildebrandt party. So our, our favorite independent and possibly shamed politician uh, has decided he's come forward he's made an announcement that he is the leader i guess of his own of of a new party the freedom conservative party
1: see you now i i read that the party
0: already existed
1: um like what In some form on, on, not officially but yeah, yeah on like the legal framework
0: that is like 20 years old now and he's kind of found yeah. a way to rekindle it sure like i you know i think that that's semantic um, because really what matters right now is that you've got Derek Filderbrand, who's found a way to uh, revitalize his political career, albeit for possibly no more than 72 hours.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, so Derek was fairly uh, in the midst of things with the Wild Rose. He put his foot in it a few times while they were doing their thing. And then when the parties combined – Uh, he kind of found himself a little bit on the outs and it doesn't look like, like Kenny's got much use for him, especially since he started, you know, getting a lot of heat and a lot of press for doing stupid shit. Well, no, exactly.
0: Okay. I, I I feel like he like he's pretty much a household name in this province, and people should be familiar with the the hit and run conviction, the shooting a deer on someone else's land, which is not I don't know if that's technically poaching, but I've heard uh, I think Kenny described it as poaching at one point. <clears throat> uh, the double dipping on on meal expenses and uh, renting out his uh, his government subsidized flat in Edmonton on Airbnb, like the stuff this guy's done has been remarkably boneheaded. Um, I was having a conversation with my wife today about about, about Derek and whether or not he's an idiot. And I, he's not an idiot. He just has remarkably poor judgment. You know, judgment that, that does not make you fit to be a politician or, excuse me, should not make you fit to be a politician. However, he happens to exist in a time when you can... You, like this, this, there's an uprising of nativism. And I think that Alberta of all provinces is a place where nativism can carry the day. And he's also got, like, he, he, he also exists in a time where you can refute the media and just say, oh, that's fake. That never happened. And because there are people that would rather believe you than the truth, you can surf that. Like, do you know what I mean? It's insane that the opportunity that he has right now and it's like, this couldn't happen, you know, 10 years ago and it might not be able to happen 10 years from now, but right now this guy's actually poised to make something out of this circus that he's just, uh, untented.
1: So, so yeah. So that's the question is have people in general had enough of his, his shenanigans? Uh, and, and back to what you said. Yeah. I don't think he's a stupid person either. I remember him, being very astute when he was, astute. is it the, was it the Canadian taxpayer Fa- taxpayers federation or Alberta? Uh,
0: he was the Alberta director of the Canadian taxpayers federation. Yeah.
1: There you go. I got it right <laughs> both times. Um, and he was, he, if I remember correctly, he was pretty good at that. I, 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 think, I would agree with that. Yeah. I'd say that. I think a lot of his problems stem from the fact that maybe he's not cut out for politics. Maybe he was good at that side of the coin, but he's not so good at the wheeling and dealing and talking to people and keeping his keel straight okay
0: but if that's the case uh i'm trying to think of nautical puns to go with your keel but i can't <laughs> if that's the case though like think of this dave because jason kenny came from the same place basically right i mean he was an organizer in in some other conservative pockets before that but um you know he's he was a, a taxpayer warrior uh for for a while before he you know got in with the uh i guess it would have been Oh man, would it have been the Reform Party? I guess it would have been the Reform Party. But anyway, um, my point is is that is that Derek Filderbrand is coming kind of from the same stock. And so and this guy had it made. Like he 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 could have been the leader of the Wild Rose Party, um, but he deferred to Brian Jean and i think that the the logic at the time was like look brian is coming from harper's conservative party like this is the kind of character that we need running this if we're going to be a credible threat in the next election and i didn't think it was possible but jean was able to salvage the wild rose party in in the election that the ndp won right and Derek Fildebrandt was just going to be like right in behind him and he'll do what most people do. He'll be like the shadow finance, you know, he'll be the finance critic. He'll release uh shadow budgets, which he never did. And I think Brian Jean put the kibosh on that and he'll just bide his time. He'll wait. And eventually it will be his turn to be the leader of the wild rose party. And I think Derek Fildebrand had it made and then he just fucked it up repeatedly.
1: Yeah. Like anytime he got in front of a camera, just said the wrong thing. Or, you know, just didn't carry himself well at all. And I think that's the part of being a politician that maybe most people don't really have an appreciation for until you see it done poorly. Right. Right. That you have to be able to talk to a camera. You have to be able to do it off the cuff in a lot of instances. And you have to couch what you say carefully so that you're not stepping in it and, you know, causing new headlines. And Phil DeBrent was great at doing that kind of thing. Right. Saying the wrong thing or. Yep. You know, not thinking before he spoke. I guess.
0: So, what what do you think then? Is is you know, kind of the oil in this engine? Like, what? Why is he doing this? Freedom Conservative Party.
1: I think he's hooked on the the fame. I think he likes it. He wants to be part of the the mix. And what he's been told and shown repeatedly by the UCP is the door. He's <laughs> they have no use for him. They have no interest in him. They're not going to allow him to uh, be one of their candidates. I think that's pretty clear by this point. So, the only way he can stay in the game is by either joining a different party, maybe joining the Alberta party or something. And apparently, that's not to his liking, or they didn't want him, uh, or starting another party. And I bet you what he's seeing is like, a lot of his old wild rose buddies coming to him and going, you know, this UCP party isn't what we thought it was going to be. It's too left for us, which is ironic (laughs) because most people think it's the other way. Uh, And then maybe he thought, Oh, you know what? Maybe we could just create a new party on that, the far right side and, uh, and go for it again, build it up again. Yeah. And I'm in charge this time. I don't think
0: that Albertans are dumb enough to fall for this one again. Uh, I think that they've seen the error of their ways and it's not like, it's not like it was you know in in wild rose versus uh pc um you know smith versus redford round one right it's pretty different now and i think that kenny's presence uh makes that known fildebrandt i mean i, I like the allusion to the alberta party which is neither a consideration for the alberta party nor derek Debrant to have that marriage come to fruition but I think that Philibert knows that um, he won't have a party unless he creates one, and you, he won't get elected as an independent. It's just too hard, and the stakes are too high. So this is—I think this is like you know—grasping at 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 straws here to try to find a way to salvage his political career, um, because the the salary for an M, for an MLA is pretty good, and it's really difficult to transition out of political life and into. Uh, into public uh, or into private life. And, and, you know, I don't know what his profession is or what he would do, but, you know, it's I, I, I if I were Derek Filderbrand, I'd be a little concerned that come 2019, I might be unemployed with nothing to show for it and some bad headlines about me and nothing really to do. I mean, maybe he's got his ducks in a row, you know, as a contingency plan, but I don't know. I think this is kind of like a, a last ditch effort to try and stay in the game and, and keep his job.
1: Well, and what I'm seeing is that he's saying that, oh, this new party, we're not gonna, we're not gonna run candidates uh, in areas where the NDP is strong, so as to try to split the vote right. or anything like that. Which I think is his way of saying, hey, we're playing nice with the other conservatives. And honestly, I don't. Again, I don't see them getting any seats other than maybe his. No. Maybe. I, and I, that's like, are the people in his riding sick of his shit too? Because I bet they probably well, are. Well, he's got, he's like, he's got a
0: rural riding. And, um, I think that there's a lot of people that, that, you know, like his brand of politics and he's, you know, he can define himself too here, right? Like if he can, if he can define himself well enough that people are willing to forgive his, uh, you know, his double dipping and taking advantage of, of taxpayer subsidized housing and, you know, uh, getting into property disputes W like, it's bizarre that he got into a property rights dispute, you know, being, being from the party that he was from. Um, but you know, I digress, um, the, 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 the thing that okay, you said that he's, that he's already mentioned that they won't run candidates in places where, you know, the NDP have a chance of winning, right? Cause they don't want to split the vote on the right. Don't you think that's horribly irresponsible to suggest that you're going to lead a party, but you're willing to, um, you know, give up the chance to win some seats.
1: Well, it certainly smacks of, Oh yeah, no, we're just conservatives, right? We're just more conservatives, but Oh, we don't want it. Yeah. Cause cause the concern is going to be from people that will uh, think negatively of the party because they're concerned that he's going to try to split the vote. So that's my guess is he just said that to sort of reassure people that that is not the case. Although, as you said. Well, yeah, it's
0: just why are you doing this then? If you can't if you're not going to attempt to field a candidate in 87 ridings. Why do it for one? Like, why start a party? Like, that that's the stuff that sort of annoyed me about, um, you know, I remember the Alberta Party saying that, well, you know, we're going to try to have 87 and we expect that we'll have 87. And I don't think they did. Uh, I can't remember what their high water mark was. But, you know, if you were if you're willing to say like, hey, we're going to not run candidates in certain ridings. I think that is a real letdown for the for the voting populace because you're basically saying that you're not going to give the opportunity for every Albertan to be represented by you, for every constituency uh, to be represented by your party.
1: Yeah, yeah, true enough. Um, I don't know if we got a chance to talk about the results in, of the two by-elections. Uh, I think they happened between the, the last podcast and this one. Um, but yeah, to that point too. I mean, you know, would he have run someone in in Fort McMurray Conklin would he have run someone in innisfail Sylvan Lake? Uh Alberta Party decided to and in Fort McMurray Conklin I believe they got just under 3% of the vote. Right. Which was uh less than what the Liberals got last time in Fort McMurray. Uh-huh. Uh and then uh in uh in Sylvan Lake they actually did 1% better than the 2015 <laughs> election. But the it was at, actually at the expense of the NDP though, because the uh the Wild Rose slash PC combined, uh, they, they upped it by I think twenty percent. Yeah. I
0: I don't know how to put this delicately, but I don't think there's any point in prognosticating <laughs> about the outcome of the coming election. Like I think it's a walk. Is it is it just not like there's people that were looking at these by-elections as though they might be
1: indicators of something.
0: Don't like <laughs> what a waste of time. Don't you just think it we're basically counting down to a UCP government?
1: Well, I, I, certainly at this point. I mean, barring some some slip up or something like that. I always couch that because you don't know what's going to sure. happen in the next few months, but um Yeah. So on the election night, of course, I was online. People, you know, the uh, the NDP people were like, oh, you know what, guys? And this and this I honestly this is something I actually read. Someone said, hey, you know what? If the UCP get less than 65 percent in, you know, in Fort McMurray Conklin, they're going to have a bad night. It was like, I was like, oh, really? Yeah, no, it'd be terrible if they only won by sixty with sixty four percent of the vote. That would be a shame, <laughs> considering that Brian Jean is a guy who's stepping down, and they're replacing him with you know someone that uh, most people probably don't know mm-hmm. to then turn pretty much the same numbers as Brian Jean was getting, and then they'd say, oh well, you see, they should have done better, you know. <laughs> but then you point to the Sylvan Lake election. It was it, the the margin of error or the margin of victory was eighty point eight the ucp right. took 80.8% of the vote in sylvan lake like where do those kind of margins happen that's that's unheard of so i i do feel like
0: uh the conversation for the left in this province needs to change to how you know how can they uh impact this province outside of government, right? Like, uh, I'm having a hard time framing this, but we basically have a situation where there's going to be a whole lot of crying on election night. Uh, I don't think the NDP are going to be terribly relevant. Um, You know, I think they'll win some seats, but I don't think that they will be considered a a relevant political force. However, for all those people who think that it wasn't a fluke that they got elected, and that, you know, Alberta is a very progressive province, um, how are you going to be able to demonstrate that if you've been using the government as the as you know the the indicator for the past three and a half and it'll be four years right like what will you point to then to say see how progressive we are and see how um you know socially accepting or, or whatever we are? Uh, because I think that's where they should be starting to to, to do the work. And that, that's valuable work and that needs to be done. I, I also believe that Alberta is a very progressive um, province, but I just feel like uh, people at the end of the day vote for jobs, right? They vote for the economy, they vote for their pocketbook and they vote for their ability to get ahead in life. And, uh, you know, the, the sunshine and, and fairy tales can only get you so far.
1: Well, and it's interesting. The other thing we've learned from this little experiment in alternative government is uh, that oil prices and I bet you our buddy Trevor would back us up on this. Oil prices pretty much rule. If the oil prices are up, you're going to do well economically. If they're not, you're not. So would it like the ability to bring money in or not bring money in? Is, is totally affected by the price of oil for the most part. Right. Our revenue okay. is directly tied to oil. You're convincing me. Yeah. The NDP talked about how we're going to diversify the economy and how we're going to change everything. And it's a it's total bullshit because it's still 100 percent, not 100 percent, but it's still, you know, the elephant in the room and will be, I think, for a very long time. So what it comes down to is, well, OK, so you can't control the revenue side of things. So what are you doing about the other side of the coin, right? How are you spending the money? How are you you know, altering your taxation to keep jobs, to keep businesses afloat? And what we see is that the NDP decided to sort of spend their way out of, out of the, the deficit. Whether that worked or not, it's impossible to say because oil prices came back up. So we can't say if it was going to work or not, right? But what we can say is that they certainly hired a lot more government employees and a lot of the jobs that came back were in either, you know, lower paying industries or in government industries as opposed to, you know, the oil, oil patch jobs.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, no, fair Fair enough. Um, and I, I suppose... You know, it's too bad we'd never know, right? Because I would like to live in the universe where, you know, oil was a hundred dollars for the you know the past three and a half years, and there was tremendous investment in Alberta, but the NDP still spent the money. So my question, like, do you think they would have spent more? Do you think that they would have been even more? Um, interested in investing in Albertans future and giving uh, because I I think that if we had had a gangbusters economy that teachers and nurses and physicians would be living even better than they already are
1: oh certainly There, there certainly would have been increases in that because what would you do if you if you're not losing jobs people are generally pretty happy because the economy's good you're gonna secure your base Right. If you want to get reelected, mm-hmm. you want to make sure the people that are going to vote for you are going to continue to vote for you. So you make sure that your union people are happy. You make sure the people in government jobs are happy. You make sure the teachers get a raise because they're more likely to vote for you than not. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's. Think, uh, hmm. the, the, spin it back to to Derek Fildebrandt for a second here, because there's a couple of burning questions. One, uh do you think he will be allowed to attend a debate, a televised debate?
1: Uh no. Okay, yeah, I also cuz he has he has he has no sitting MLAs. What do you think of that? Should he be allowed to he's declared himself the leader of a
0: party and if he's got do you have to should you have sitting MLAs or should you just have to field enough candidates or what what should be the bar that you have to get over to be in the debate?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. I think in the past it's based on on how many seats you have. I honestly don't know for Alberta.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I attended a debate that had uh Brian Jean, Jim Prentice, Rachel Notley and David Swann. And I was blown away that David Swan. like they didn't let Greg Clark attend. And I, I, yeah. I remember being there and thinking like, well, why is David Swan
1: here? Yeah, he has. Cause he only had one seat as well. Right? Yeah.
0: They, the, uh, yeah. I think that's the case. Yeah. And it's, and it's just like, he also isn't going to form the government, like has no chance at all. So why is he here?
1: Yeah, fair enough. So I guess if Phil DeBrandt suddenly turned around and said, I'm the sitting MLA and now I'm with this party. I guess technically they have one right? Yeah, so there you go alberta party's got 3 but only one was elected um yeah i don't know i mean i would think at this point it would pro- yeah and the liberals would say well we want to we want to be in the, the debate too right so now you got 5 people And that's, yeah.
0: And it's a TV consortium that puts it on. It's like, it's not a government agency or like, you know, those guys are concerned that they've already decided as a public service to make some really boring television. So like, do they need to make it more boring by including these also rans when they could really just make it Jason Kenney versus Rachel Notley. And that's the closest thing you're
1: going to get to Tyson Holifield three. Should we be looking at some sort of legislation that says if you're going to uh, run in an election, you have to field a candidate in every riding? No,
0: because that's not the point, right? Like the the, the, the the Westminster Parliament is doesn't have an accommodation for parties. You should just have as many candidates as you can possibly have running Fair for enough. election. Yeah. And then when you get into government, you figure out how shit's going to get done. But we've completely corrupted it. So... Uh, I, uh, yeah, that's very, yeah, true. it is, true. it is what it is, but I don't think that we should try to like, you know, etch into the ledger, some, some sort of rules to regulate how our, our stupid party system runs. It's fucked up as it is.
1: <laughs> well, see, and we were talking about the by elections So the one, I mean, we were talking about, you know, the, the looking like a cakewalk. So we could also say the four by-elections before the last election all went to the wild rose and they certainly didn't win that election. Um, so Wait, what the, the you, you mean they went bef- to the... Before
0: 2015. Yeah, they went to the PCs, not to the Wild Rose.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, we went to the PCs. The PCs also didn't do much. Right. Well, right.
0: they had that wonderful so, floor crossing, you see.
1: That's true. Um, so we don't know. I mean, what, what kind of indicator are they? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. The other problem here is that both of these seats are somewhat rural. Uh, I mean, the Fort Max seat less so than Innisfail, Sylvan Lake, I would think... Honestly, you shouldn't say that because no. I don't know. Same, same. Brian, Brian Jean was – so there. yeah, there's kind of rural ridings. But um, we haven't seen other than than Jason Kenney's uh, election. We haven't seen the city, right? It would be interesting to see a riding in Calgary, just a, a nondescript riding in Calgary or a nondescript riding in Edmonton uh, go up and see what happens there. Although I guess you could say in Edmonton it would probably go NDP. So it would be a Calgary riding. That would be the sort of a a decent bellwether test is a riding that was fairly contested in the last election in Calgary. What happens here? What, What sort of percentage changes do we see in the vote?
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like I, I, I dig the point you're making it just that it's to me, it's like, I think that a lot of people look at, these at by-elections as though, as you just said, they're going to be a bellwether for something. They'll give us an indication of where voter sentiment is. It's not the case, man. It's like exhibition hockey, right? Like fans know it. The players know it. These are bullshit games. They're meaningless. Like wait until the season starts. Wait till the playoffs. That's when we're really going to tell you where our allegiances lie. But you know, I look at these at these by elections, and it's like there's nothing at stake. There was nothing at stake this time. There was nothing at stake when the PCs won those four by elections before they got throttled in the uh, in the election in 2015. And voters know that they don't need to come out and, and and do anything if that candidate in in uh, uh, that NDP candidate who lost in um, in in Fort McMurray. Like, do you think that the n d p is is look you know in the war room going well the The only reason we lost is because the candidate did a poor job. It's like, no, fuck that, get a warm body in there and and you know send some other lamb to slaughter come twenty nineteen That's all it is
1: well, and an interesting question that that comes up now is we know for a fact that when the n d p ran last time, many of their candidates were just sort of people who tossed their hat into the ring, not thinking that they would. Get elected, just running for the sake of running, right. uh, and many of them did get elected, and many of them uh, are quite poor at what they do. Right, and uh, so that here's the question: If you are Rachel Notley, are you looking at replacing those candidates? You can't. Do you take out? Why not? How could you? You're going to fire
0: the elected MLA and you're going to rant. You're going to, you're going to say that we've got a star candidate in their place. We found someone better to represent you. That's like a complete and total uh, undermining of your party's accomplishment in 2015. And, and you're also indicating that the voters don't know what they're doing. Like I, I, I <laughs> that that would just basically be, she'd be assailing the system, assaulting the very electoral system that put them in power. There's no way that they could possibly get away with doing that, though. It's a good, so it's a makes- great idea.
1: Great idea. So it makes things interesting because you're going to have to run some people that have made some, you know, flops and faux pas and are not, you know, thought of as not well thought of, but now you have to run them. You got to stick with pretty much.
0: Yep. That's the bed they made. So here's, but here's the real question, Dave, that, that I I think you've really kind of uncovered here is that, um, if let's say Derek Fildebrand is able to, you know, get a bit of a you know a bit of a tidal force behind his his Freedom Conservative Party, and he's got enough gas in the truck to make it to eighty seven different constituencies to try and field candidates, he's going to be doing on the right what the NDP did on the left. You know, is there anybody in this room? Who thinks they'd like to be an MLA? And some hand (laughs) at the back will go up. There will be no vetting. We won't know what this person's background or history is. My God, it's Derek Fildebrandt picking the person. We know he's not terribly careful. So, you know, and then you're you're essentially going to get the same kind of scrutiny that the NDP had for a lot of their candidates, and we'll be they'd be electing God knows who. This is why. Like, this is why Derek Fildebrandt's decision to start this Freedom Conservative Party or to, to make this announcement is entirely self centered. It's all about him knowing that he's got almost zero chance of winning as an independent. So he's pulling a stunt to try to put himself with a, instead of the word independent on the ballot, he's going to have Freedom Conservative Party. And, you know, he'll say some nativist things. I believe he will say some nativist things along the hustings to try and, you know, garner some support so that he can win his riding. This is a strategy to remain employed. In this job, this is not a concept that has any credibility whatsoever in forming a government. Yeah,
1: no, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't see any sort of wise, right leaning voter thinking it's a good idea to split the vote again. I think enough people have learned their lesson. I will, at least, I want to think that. You know, you never go broke yeah. underestimating <laughs> the uh, the voter. But I would think that most right leaning voters who either went Wild Rose yeah. or PC, you saw what happened with the split, would look at it and go, oh, well, we're going to stay with the horse we know
0: at this point. But, but think about what split the vote, though, Dave. The the vote was split because there were people who were fed up with the PCs and it's time for a change and we're going to vote Wild Rose. And then there were people who were thinking about voting Wild Rose, but they just weren't ready to trust the government with a, with that party. So we're going to vote PC.
1: Or they were a little turned off by the social right wing aspect of wild. Uh,
0: Yeah, for sure. Fair enough. And and, and look, I mean, in both parties, there were people who were like, uh, you know, I think Jim Prentice put forward a great budget and and I think that's legit and that's a good party. Like there were, there were good reasons to go, but, but I think that that the vote was split because there was so much uncertainty about, about the other reason, but voting for the other reason, like, do do you know what I'm trying to say here? I just don't think Mm -hmm. that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that would, that would have Jason Kenney and the UCP, as a possibility for them to cast a ballot that would dismiss it on election day and just go, yeah, no, I, I can't possibly, I, I, you know, I think it's more in the bag for the UCP.
1: Well, and and what you'd read uh, coming from the left, if you're online, is that, oh, well, the Jason Kenney is so abhorrent. No one will vote for him. They're all going to leave. They're all going to come over to our side. Right. And what they never, ever bring up is the idea that, oh, some conservative leaning voters voted NDP last time because they just wanted to give a big old fuck you to Jim Prentice and they didn't want to vote that far right. So they went, ah screw it, we'll just throw a vote over here. It's not going to hurt anything. So the question is which of those number of people is bigger?
0: <laughs> All right, here's my last question um before and this is the last bullet in my clip. Uh what is the over under on candidates running for the freedom conservative party the over under
1: like how many are going to run yeah
0: if i set the okay i'll set the number and you tell me if you take the over or the under i believe that derek Filderbrand and his freedom conservative party will be able to field 31 and a half candidates
1: 41 and a half. Yeah, the, wow. so that's why you got to pick the, because the, I'm going to go under, going, I'm going to take the, the under, under on that, that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you're too high. I think you just counted rural writings.
0: <laughs> well, I, I didn't actually do any, I just picked the number. I actually had it at 41 and I thought that was too high. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think I would, how many will get elected? Oh, uh, I would set the over under at 0.5.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say 0.5. Yeah. <laughs> What about the Alberta party? We're prog- prognosticating way too far in advance of the election. Yeah. How many seats does the Alberta party take in the next election? Zero. You think it's zero? Yeah. You don't think Greg Clark's going to keep no, his seat? No,
0: this is black or white. You either want to have a progressive government and the only credible choice is the NDP, or you want to have a conservative government and the only credible choice is the UCP. That's the only question. That you know, There, there, there are so many people that are trying to you know so far in front of the election trying to trying to like you know come up with some emotional reasons why you might vote one way or another and it's like at the end of the day you have to decide something do you want more more progressive ideas because if you do there's only one choice or do you want conservative ideas because if you do there's only one credible choice so, no, I think I think that every other party gets shut out. It's just Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley. And the question the old I really think the only legitimate question that that is actually up in the air and debatable right now is will Rachel Notley resign after the election? Because I don't think she can.
1: Uh, you. So you're, you're saying she loses the election and she has to stick around.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I don't think that Joe Cece is in the bag, right? Like, I don't think he's a shoe in So no, so like the, you know, and he's got a good riding in Calgary to, to win in. Um, And, you know, certainly he's a finance minister and and they'll pour a ton of resources into making sure that, that he's got every opportunity to to win that seat. But I think that the only legitimately debatable question is, does Rachel Notley resign after she loses the 2019 election?
1: Okay. So fair enough. Um, Tell me about Calgary though, because as far as we know, Calgary is the battleground, right? From what we're seeing right now, again, way too far ahead to know. But we, we figure the NDP is probably going to take most of the seats in Edmonton. Just out of hand. Um, but we know that the combined vote between the Wild Rose and the PCs in the last election, that that uh, the the NDP beat that spread in 24 seats total. Yeah. Total. 22 of them being in Edmonton, or 21 of them being in Edmonton. A couple in Lethbridge, one in Calgary. And that was CC. How many seats in Calgary do the do the uh, NDP hang on? Okay,
0: I'll say three. And I want the uh, right to do to do some more research and come back uh, next next week with a different answer. But I'd I'd say three.
1: Yeah. And so that's it. Really. Calgary is the battleground. If they can win, if the NDP wins some seats in Calgary, they have a decent chance of what? If they don't win seats of of maybe forming a government. I
0: don't think so. I think they'll win one seat in Lethbridge, they'll win several seats in Edmonton and I don't think they'll come close to 47.
1: Well, but so that's that's their path to victory though, is what I'm saying, right? You win you win 22 seats in Edmonton, you win maybe a few more around the edges of Edmonton, you win one in Lethbridge, maybe you pick up 5 or 6 in Calgary and that's enough to get you to 44 that's their that's their only hope is what i've I'm been
0: saying. saying 47 the whole time haven't i yeah 44 you're right now yeah no listen you're correct i mean mathematically sure uh but i i just don't see them getting to and this is funny because i'm saying the exact same thing i said when they won in 2015 but <laughs> i i i just don't see a way that they get to i don't even see a way that they get to, to 30 well 32 22 and i don't think they win them all i don't think they sweep edmonton I
1: I don't think so either. Some of those outlying areas in Edmonton, they just barely beat that. Yeah. Like just barely.
0: I don't think they sweep Edmonton. I think they could win three in Calgary. I think they could win one in Lethbridge.
1: I I just don't see how, if you're a supporter of that party and you're looking and you're probably not looking at the numbers, but the numbers will tell you that many, many of your sitting MLAs are sitting there with 34% of the vote. With 36% of the vote, Mm -hmm. how could you possibly look at that and feel like, oh yeah, they'll take it again. No worries. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. As I mentioned, Dave, my clip is empty and we are into overtime here on this edition of the National Talkie League.
1: Uh, And it's been a, it's been a rollicking one. (laughs) We went through the, the V's, we got into the W's and then all the way back down to the U's. We stayed in the low end of the, uh, the alphabet for the most part. Some Ds and some Fs, maybe. Um, But thank you once again for listening if you're a uh, regular Tonky member. Uh, And uh, if you are, thanks for chatting with us on Facebook, both in the International Talkie League group and also in the Beleaguered Tonkies group, which is our closed group. Uh, You're welcome to join that group. Uh, You just have to send us a uh, little message, a little uh, request to join, which we will approve as long as you're not a Russian bot. (coughs) Uh, and then also if you want to chat with us and you're not into Facebook, you can do so on Twitter uh, or you can do so directly from our website You go or email us at mail at leaguecom Thank you guys for keeping the conversation going. We really do love it and appreciate it uh, and love to have stuff to talk about and uh, you've you kind of become our sounding board as well and I kind of dig
0: that. For sure. Uh, feel free to leave us on a review uh, leave us a review wherever you shop for podcasts and, and if it's a review you're going to leave, make it a five star review Huh. until the next time that we pre-record this, I say adios.